0: Welcome to the Thomas Cuisine Real Food and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Shire. In this episode, we enjoy a dynamic, long-form conversation with Thomas Cuisine's chef, Vance Winterstrom. Chef Vance is part of our team that ensures excellent corporate dining services in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. We cover a lot in our short discussion, starting with his team's innovative approach to vegetable-infused pizza doughs for their house-made vegan pizzas. And a good portion of this conversation touches on how to handle feedback and some really great adjustments that he and his team have made in offering cafe staples that help employees want to stay on their work campus for breakfast and lunch. I think what stands out to me about Chef Vance is that he's so attuned to making dining experiences as special and enjoyable as possible by listening to the feedback of those he serves. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Today, I want to talk to you about these infused pizza doughs that you and your team have been creating um, for visitors that come into your cafe, clients that work there, and our client overall. They get to enjoy these pizzas that are handmade. Um, They're in this gorgeous, they're cooked in this gorgeous oven that has live fire. And so it's a real like feasting with your eyes, plus you get to have a treat. But can you tell me why you started infusing your pizza doughs with things like beets or spinach? Tell me how this came about, because when I first saw some of your images online that you guys had shared with us, I was very intrigued and very attracted to the colors and the presentation that you came up with, but why did you start making that such a colorful offering in your cafe?
1: So it was right after Thanksgiving vacation. We had come back the following Monday from having Thursday, Friday off. And I got a good opportunity to stop in the cafe and chat with our client. So for people who aren't aware, our client is a vegan. And we got to talking about how she did not enjoy her Thanksgiving meal with her family. Uh, A lot of the options that they had were either not vegan, not vegetarian. So it left her very unfulfilled in the options. So in her conversation with me about not enjoying her Thanksgiving, it really got me thinking about the vegan options that we have in the cafe as well. So deeper in the conversation, one of the things she had brought up Uh, with my further questioning was that she had never actually eaten a pizza in our cafe. And I think that traditionally pizza is thought of as meat and cheese. And so we kind of looked at the concept and said, how can we make this better? How can we make it more appeasing to more people to build into the client's wishes and kind of bring that experience back to their cafes? So at the time we had been in the fridge looking around uh, realized we had some extra beets left over from a salad, and I thought, you know, just based on the color, you get the bright fuchsia magenta color that comes out of a beet, we thought that would be a really interesting place to start. So we had pureed the beets down, steamed them, uh, you know, skinned them, turned them into a really beautiful vegetable puree at which point we had infused into our regular pizza dough recipe that we had modified to make it vegan. So this gave us a great opportunity to build a new substrate. And I think the more exciting thing for me was we traditionally think of a pizza being on a blonde pizza dough. And so in an artistic sense, it was a great, a great new opportunity to take the canvas and paint it a different color and start building upon that instead of using all the other colors and flavors on top of a blank white canvas.
0: So when you started infusing these pizza doughs, the color, it's all naturally derived. So you're not adding uh, dyes or powders or anything. You're naturally processing and cooking down these beets and then incorporating them into the dough which you had you and your teams had to figure out on your own so why add the colors of those natural vegetables to your doughs does it help it stand out in the cafe so people can easily find alternative pizzas that are available tell me more about why that was a main avenue for approaching a vegan pizza for your client
1: again, because it was for our main client, we wanted something that really stood out and turned heads. So as we first rolled out the B pizza dough, I mean, it was slow sales, I have to be honest. And the first two cycles that we ran it, the more pizzas that walked out of the cafe, the more people came in and asked questions about it. And so it built a lot of excitement because in a normal sense, people had never seen this before. And so to continually get the questions of what is this and why are you doing this? You know, I think it was really exciting to say, we did this for the client to make her feel special. And then again, you know, there's a lot of health benefits that come with this. So we kind of look at pizza as a dough or as a starch, but it can be very bland or nullified of large nutrition. And so using fruit and vegetable purees to accomplish the dyes and the colors We get subtle flavors, which help build flavor profiles for the pizzas, but as well as adding nutrient density. So a great example of this is beets are loaded with folate and manganese, vitamin C, vitamin A, and potassium. And so again, to bring all these things back to something that would traditionally not have a lot of nutritional content, to make it something more special so as they eat it, they can feel good about their choices.
0: You mentioned the flavor profile. How does adding vegetables to the dough change that flavor profile? And is the dough as fluffy? Does it change the consistency at all?
1: It definitely messes with the consistency. So we've had to do lots of trial and error, you know, a lot of research and development to run a recipe and see what didn't work. If it didn't have enough elasticity, if it was too firm, if it baked too fast, You know these are all variables that are kind of uh simplified in a natural pizza dough but as we started adding things to it it obviously had to be corrected so the flavors are really subtle they're not very overwhelming which is a nice substrate to start building more complex flavors on top of Uh, another great example is our spinach florentine pizza we do a green spinach dough and as you build white cheese and red pepper flakes and roasted heirloom tomatoes on top, all these colors start to pop a lot harder because they're sitting on a green substrate instead of a white canvas with a white sauce and with white cheese and white ingredients. So takes the monochromatic side out of it and really starts to elevate the visual appeal of what people are eating.
0: If you're keeping these recipes vegan, um, what are you using in place of cheeses and um Any other ingredient that might have animal products in it?
1: Um, Cheese probably being the most contradiction for a vegan and a pizza. We've found a couple of variations of vegan cheese from some local suppliers. And some of them are better than others. So we kind of just had to do trial and error, bring in some products, try them out again, allow samples to be eaten and make sure that the vegetarians and vegans were actually enjoying what they were eating and not just us choosing some random cheese just because it has vegan on the title and then moving forward with that. We really wanted to make sure that we captured the guests' uh, full attention and then kept them coming back for more. After they eat one, they're always really inclined to keep coming back based on how strong the flavors are and how well-built these items are.
0: When you're creating the doughs to keep the integrity of it being a vegan offering, are you able to keep your ingredients in kind of a little bit of a separate area so that there's not that chance of cross-contamination that all of a sudden someone is maybe eating their vegan pizza and they're so happy to finally have something that they can have that's a treat, and then, uh-oh, there's like a random slice of pepperoni in it or something? Just tell me about the prep areas that you guys work in?
1: So typically all of our pizza dough is processed off a pizza station. Um, You know, Production side is made in the back of house, but it goes up to the front of house when it's actually being stretched out. So on the times that we're doing vegan products, we'll simply just run them first. That way there's nothing else out on the counters, nothing else that's contaminated the environment to make sure it's really clean and wholesome. And then, as as the station, we just stage them in different areas. So you might have uh, meat in a different drawer or in a separate area entirely.
0: You mentioned during your recipe building um, that it was slow sales. It was a little bit slow going, maybe a little bit challenging to get the the proper. Uh, combination of ingredients one thing that makes this possible for your teams is that we are using our own ingredients um and i heard that your location actually even goes the extra mile to source very specific flour so that your pizza dough is really uh just has a much better quality it's a little bit fluffier and has this really great crisp to it as well Um, and really high quality ingredients make that difference that goes from something that you expect from a fast food pizza place to something that feels like that artisan made pizza. So without using real ingredients, uh, we, we actually wouldn't have this opportunity to get to modify our doughs at all. So that's a testament to you guys and how you're really living Thomas Cuisine values in food service management. So I wanted to just point that out that if you were just getting pre-made pizza doughs in, in, you know, those packages, we've all seen that at the grocery store, anything <laughs> pre-packaged, we can't actually flex those pre-packaged items to incorporate these higher value nutrient dense um, aspects of custom recipes. So in saying that you had to take it kind of slow and be patient, what did it really take to come up with these custom recipes? What was your process?
1: Um, you know, like I said, it was a lot of research and development. We had to continually try different flowers, different quantities. And the best thing you can do is try it once and take really good notes and then proceed to try it again with different variables. And sometimes it takes eight to 12 to 15 times. And it's a process that you just have to learn not to give up on that. The more you try it and the more you do it, the better results you're going to have from that learning experience.
0: If your team members are looking at a new idea and you're trying to coach them through, how did you approach getting them on board with this dough? And in using real ingredients, how was this possible for us to make it successful and uh, a recipe that ended up working really well in the cafe?
1: So again, the team thought we were all crazy when we started making these infused doughs. Um, Again, the pink one really came out uh, an interesting color to say the least. And everyone thought we were crazy and that this wouldn't sell. And even in the beginning, it was really slow on sales because we didn't have, I guess the marketing capability to put up signs and posters. And with that being said, it took a little bit of time for the pizzas to sell, to go out to the cafe, to turn some heads, to get people interested, to come back asking questions. And say, what was that and how do I order that? And so, as it started to pick up, and we progressed from a beetroot pizza dough to a spinach pizza dough, and then, you know, roasted red pepper, among other variations, uh, after we had done the first one and it had actually started growing in trends, you know, we had looked at doing the others, but I think that's when the real excitement started to build with the team because they started to see the value and the worth of what we were actually doing and then how excited the clientele got. And as the clientele got more excited, it started to build some level of camaraderie with our team as well. Not only to get them involved in making the doughs, but to stretch them and bake them and give them off to a guest who's just astonished at what they're looking at. And then of course, to come back and say how great it was, not just on a visual level, but on an emotional level to say, it was so great of an opportunity to eat something different, especially for these vegans who on other opportunities didn't eat pizzas. And so to give them a treat that they weren't used to, it really sent a sense of excitement through the cafe and got more and more people involved.
0: I really liked also about your ingredient sourcing in the Salt Lake area, um, You were able to pick the best of, say, the vegan cheeses so that you didn't you weren't certainly you weren't relegated to, oh, you can only use this flour. You can only use these toppings. You guys get to really flex your sourcing and look locally to get the freshest and best tasting items for unique recipes that that you're working on. So what, you've mentioned three different pizza doughs that you've come up with. What are the different types of pizzas that you can get and what have been the best sellers so far?
1: So far, we've done the beetroot one, which was featured. Um, We've done the spinach Florentine. I don't know if that's really been discussed too much, but again, it was a green pizza dough that we were able to put some fresh mozzarella on for a regular one and the vegan cheese for the, you know, the special one. Um, instead of using a sauce like Alfredo for the regular, we just used seasoned garlic oil. So it took some garlic and confit it, got it to basically bloom in the oil, and then brushed the dough with that to build the cheese and the tomatoes and the chili flakes on top of that. So it gave it more flavor and experience without needing the cream-based sauce and without needing all the dairy from that cheese. And so as we continued to progress, uh, we did a roasted red pepper pizza dough as a base for a Greek pizza. So instead of putting the peppers on top as how we built it in the past, we just isolated one of those ingredients from off the top of the pizza, infused it into the dough for flavor from the bottom up basically so you're not eating all the toppings trying to get the flavors and components but it's actually in the bottom substrate so each bite you get an overwhelming sense of body with each bite
0: nice one just side note about um doing confit for the garlic if you haven't had that before as a listener it makes it so that you get to have, like you said, that garlic really absorbs the oil, and it really can become like this buttery, saucy type of substrate. So you don't miss out on that nice, when those sauces are combined with your cooked doughs, you get kind of that nice, chewy um, combination of textures. So I really like that you got creative there with that sauce so that you can still get some of the same textures that I mean, humans really, we like textures, we like the different flavors and the different colors. That's how we have traditionally found the foods that are going to be best for us to eat. So I enjoy that. My biggest question is what was the client's response? You've told me a little bit about the general customer response, where it kind of spread a little bit like wildfire, because it is so, it is very interesting, very different to see a pizza, the colors that you guys have come up with, but. That initial client that came to you with the Thanksgiving story, what did she have to say?
1: She was kind of in shock that we had gone through so much research and development just to provide her with a special option. And the first time she ate one, she was overjoyed at the capacity and the capability of our own cafe systems. The fact that they buy into Thomas Cuisine, that we're the right partner for their decisions, And again, this is why we're the right partner. So we can make positive interactions, so we can make really interesting opportunities for that individual. And as she ate it, she, you know, again, thanked us so much for the opportunity to bring back some options. Uh, Like I said, where she was a vegan and openly admitted she hadn't eaten pizza in her own cafe. You know, this is years running, this is going on Five, six, seven years that she hasn't had a pizza. And so to bring that option back, you could just see how thrilled and how happy she was with the opportunity. And of course, comes back and eats it all the time. And so now it's not a once in a blue moon. Now it's very often and frequently that she gets to enjoy these opportunities.
0: That's one thing that I really appreciate about many of our cafes and many of our chefs is that there's a dignity that goes hand in hand with our dining experiences. So whether that's within different sectors altogether, you are at a corporate cafe, which means you're in a large uh, building that's big enough to have a cafe that's on site. Sometimes when we serve in other locations, like in senior dining, we we accommodate other really special dietary needs. And it never fails to just amaze me. How, Flexible your teams can be and how creative you can be. I think the only other time I've seen greens as bright as what I've seen in, for instance, the spinach Florentine pizza is um like the St. Patty's Day green eggs <laughs> and ham, like green beer type of thing. And you know that's all artificial coloring. If I were to Correct. walk into some fast food pizza joint, I probably would maybe be interested in that fuchsia-colored beet pizza, but I would be a little bit concerned, how much red dye number 40 am I actually consuming? And in this instance, there's no worries. It's just super clean ingredients that you've worked really hard to make come together and gel together to serve you and your client. Let's talk a little bit about feedback. So you had feedback from your client, that you kind of picked up on that was her personal experience with her Thanksgiving. And then, you know, kind of looking around the cafe, maybe that jogged your your observation skills to say, well, I wonder what we could do to accommodate vegan or vegetarian needs. And then also you received feedback from your team when you started this, a little bit of maybe worry or doubt, uh, can this really be done once you came up with an idea before the client even knew the direction that you were going? So when you're looking at using feedback in a positive and constructive way, what goes through your mind when someone comes to you with a request or an issue? Um, What steps do you take to make that feedback process a positive and a way to get better in advance versus a negative where you feel maybe not as confident about your abilities?
1: So I think the feedback process is very critical because we learn the most when we've actually failed or not done a great job because it actually gives us building blocks to move forward. So using that opportunity, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking to know that she's been in the cafe for years And not eating a pizza. And so, again, it was looking at the pizza as how can we make this an edible option? How can we make this an opportunity to grow and build on? And so, taking that feedback, you know, sometimes it hurts in a sense of you already think you do a great job and you already think that, you know, maybe you don't have a lot to learn or a lot of growth to come from it until you get an opportunity to grow. And again, that comes from that feedback. So, if, Nobody ever tells you that things are bad around here. Maybe it's really hard to see through the clouds and know how bad it is or why it's so bad in that regard. And so you know a great opportunity we've had in in that capacity is we've recently had transitioned from a burger patty that was being basically parcooked and sandbagged and put in a warming tray and then put on a burger or excuse me, put on a bun when it was ordered. To something that we've hand ground, smash out, and cook to order because of the availability, knowing that the products we were serving before were very subpar. And it's not great to hear that complaint, I guess you could say, but it's really beneficial because it's the information you need to move forward.
0: What goes through your mind when you do receive that feedback and there is a complaint? Tell me about your ego and your pride and how you put that aside to look at what's actually being asked of you. How do you not take that personally?
1: You know, it can be very easy to take it personally, to think I'm in charge here. These are my choices. You know, again, like I said, when you think you do a great job, it's not necessarily that you're doing a bad job. Sometimes it's just moving forward with the better information to say, this is what we've been doing, but how do we look outside the box and move forward in a better direction? Um, I think it's very simplistic that you have to let the ego and control factors go because you're never gonna appease anyone, everyone anyways. You could make a Thai dish and some people say it's not spicy enough as real Thai food and other people are sweating in their eyes and telling you it was too hot. And so the same thing goes for spices as you know fats and salts and various other strong flavors, like even acids. You can overdress something, you can underdress something. And so sometimes it's just taking a look at the broad spectrum to say, okay, if somebody didn't thoroughly enjoy this, how can we make it more enjoyable in the future? And maybe it's just using small, simple steps to get back to where we need to be and not where we think we are.
0: When was one of your most memorable feedback moments where you got feedback and maybe it did sting and maybe you did think that you were doing fine, but you got feedback that at first, maybe you felt resistant to, or you didn't agree with, but in the long run, when you had time to think about it, you said, well, that was right and I'm glad I listened. Or did you maybe not listen and then say, I should have listened.
1: <laughs> um, I think another great opportunity with that, there's something that else that really struck me hard in our cafe was we had a lot of complaints on grilled chicken sandwiches and it's something that's on our static grill menus in many of our cafes and hearing that people were unhappy with it. Again, I think that we went down the road for too long of we were doing it how we had always been doing it. And didn't really question the motive behind it because that's how we were taught. And so to really look at that from the ground up and say, okay, well, this is in the capacity of what we were doing, but how do we change it? And how do we make it a better situation? How do we get it to be a more enjoyable product for these people that come in and depend on these services? I mean, they're at work and they have the opportunity to go somewhere else, but why wouldn't you rather eat at your own cafe than to go down the street to fast food. And so, as far as client retention, I think it's really important that we take the feedback and build into new successes and look at what we can do to fix broken ideas, maybe that came out of the 90s or even the early 2000s. Because here we are 30, 40 years later and need to look at that very progressively to say, just because this is how it was always done, doesn't mean that's how we have to do it in the future.
0: When you've received that feedback, for instance, around the pizza doughs, and then you're taking that, the idea of the pizza dough, which was your your solution to just one facet of, of some feedback. When your teams need some help to um, become bought in and learn and think, well, it's different, but it's not impossible. What do you do to help get everyone on board and help folks feel comfortable with new ideas or switching gears.
1: You know, that's a really tough situation because especially some of the, you know, younger individuals on staff, maybe again, they were taught a certain way. So they almost think that that's the playbook. It's sometimes really hard to change the perception of we're making these changes to make things better and not just to be difficult. We're not doing it just because we're bored and have nothing better to do and trying to make the line cooks' lives harder. It's simply just because we're trying to get a better experience for the customers that come in and eat here every day.
0: How do you help your workers and your team see that even though the change might have been a little bit of an interruption or hard to learn, an adjustment, How do you help them see in the long run, in the end, that it was a really great change and they did a good job and it was challenging and it was hard, but it was also really worth it because now look how much better it is. How do you help them see that they're valued by making the changes and putting forth the effort?
1: I think a really strong context of that situation is being out in the cafe and having these conversations in front of the Other clients. You know, if I'm talking to a client and it's in front of the other employees for their company, do it in front of your employees as well. So when they're telling you that these things are better, it builds that level of excitement because they know they were a part of it and they know that these people are now coming in with a smile on their face. They're not disgruntled. They really enjoyed their experience. They're happy to come back. And these are all key factors in making sure that we're successful in the future, that we don't taper off and plateau, and that it is a forward progressive movement.
0: So that feedback can be both constructive criticism, which constructive is, is that, hey, this is something I'm noticing. Can you do these changes to help it improve? Instead of just like saying this, this is just terrible. And I don't know anything about it, just make it better. I mean, sometimes that happens and we can roll with that, but a little bit of guidance is always really great, but there's also good feedback, positive feedback. Um, And I think we've established that even when feedback is seemingly negative, it really is for our growth and that's what makes it constructive. But the point you're telling me is that we share the feedback of, hey, could you improve? And hey, this is really great. And you're succeeding and you're winning and we can do more of this. Is that correct then?
1: Yeah, you want them to see both sides of that because when there is room for improvement, you want them to be able to identify those things and not just us as leaders, but down to the FTE level of when they know maybe they had a chicken sandwich for lunch and didn't enjoy it as much. And that affects them as well because they eat in our cafes as well. And so we want a better guest experience, but we also want a better employee experience for our employees as well. So the better job that we do, and the more that we help them out, they see both sides of, you know, criticism and praise. But how do we use those to make them work together for our teams? And that information has to be collaborated or again, openly discussed. So maybe it's in standup, maybe we get the team together and we say, okay, well, we developed this dough, and we got the recipe together. But then we gave the recipe to a pizza cook and the pizza cook turned around and made the dough and stretched it out and baked it. And now that all these clients are having these great pizza experiences, be able to praise that pizza cook for picking up the pieces and actually putting them together and moving forward. And helping out with the work.
0: Something about kitchens that always stands out to me is that there's so much shared responsibility. We can't really work in silos on our teams. If there's things that need to be done, we all kind of hop in and help. And there's nothing so um, motivating as giving credit where credit's due to be able to have confidence in your leadership that. If I helped, I get to know that I was a part of this. I was a part of something that wasn't only the right thing to do, because it's the right thing to make make food as well as we can. But it was an extra ask. And now people are having a better day, a happier day. And so there's a pride in being associated and being part of something that's continually getting better. That is high quality, because you are a part and parcel of that process. There's no person on our teams who aren't valuable and who aren't contributing something. And so we like to make sure that those people are contributing in the right ways and to the best of their abilities and to help where we can to shore up any inefficiencies. So Certainly,
1: it really helps with the camaraderie effect of, I think once one person on the team gets involved I don't want to say other people get jealous, but they definitely want a piece of the pie, too. They want to get in on it. They want the excitement as well. And so the more people that buy into it, the more it really helps the dynamic of our teams.
0: Yes, I can attest to that. That's one thing that um, that I've seen. People will kind of perk up their ears and um, there's so much cross training, too, that goes on in in our back of house. There's again, with that shared responsibility. I feel like culinarians and chefs are curious, creative minds. They not only like to create things and make it a good experience, but the feedback is pretty instant. When someone eats something, the taste, I mean, humans are programmed to to be really sensitive to taste. And with that, getting to choose what you're eating, um, when it's really good, they'll let you know. And, and when it doesn't meet expectations, hopefully also what you're saying is they'll let you know. Um, and so that can create a little bit of competition, like healthy competition to keep going. And so I really like that your teams feel comfortable enough to look over at what the person next to them is doing or look at you and be like, well, what's that? Why? Um, <laughs> I think that's really healthy. It's, it's a good thing because it means that no one's getting left behind. Um, Certainly. I want to know a little bit, too, about your career path. You said you've been with Tom's Cuisine for five years and um, recently you got to go to new manager orientation. So are you new to managing? Um, What do you think are some of your best traits and qualities that you're exploring and bringing to your teams and growing as a chef?
1: So I've been with Thomas Cuisine for, like I said, several years now, and I'd managed at other capacities before working for Thomas Cuisine. And so when I came to Thomas Cuisine, I I started it as a part-time job. We were having some medical issues with my son and we needed extra money. And so it was a part-time job, again, just to try and get the bills paid but I saw a lot of opportunity with this company and the great dynamics of real food and the morals and the compassion from leaders. And it really resonated with me to continue to do a great job on the grill to work my way up. And now that I'm a chef of an account, it's a great opportunity to give those things back to the other FTEs and to help them out with their horizons to say, what does my future look like? And maybe I'm just a grill cook now, but I can grow into something stronger, more developed, uh, deeper capacities, more responsibilities. And I think that's one of my favorite things as being a leader with this company is there's so much opportunity. Every time you turn around, there's new people that can be trained. And, you know, simply taking a couple hours a week to train a new person. That's life changing, because a lot of these things they can take with them for the rest of their lives. And maybe it's at home for dinner for the wife or you know, with the family like the parents or their own kids. Um, we had trained an individual who didn't know how to make cheese sauce and to to let them go home and make cheese sauce and make a mac and cheese for their little kid who previously didn't like mac and cheese because I think You know some people care for the stuff out of a box but other people know all the preservatives and chemicals that are in there and how dangerous that is for our bodies and so to turn around and be able to teach people the capacities of real food and what that looks like and beyond the flavor and enjoyment of it what it means for your physical success and future because if we're eating garbage you're probably not going to have as long of an expiration date as the latter. And so these are really awesome opportunities to be able to grow and develop not just concepts like our different pizzas and doughs, but certainly the one-on-one capacity of the human interaction with our teams.
0: That mindset of making sure that we're eating well, to preserve in a more healthy way to preserve our bodies and our life experience, the doughs and the recipes, those are a consequence of that mindset, of that mindset around, we have to keep doing things more healthfully in our current food situation. Here in the US, it's a lot of How can we get as much shelf-stable, fast, convenient food out and sold and marketed as possible? And I feel like I'm watching our chefs dive deeper and deeper into, well, that's great, but that's not maybe the healthiest thing that we can offer. If my name is on something, if I'm giving you something, I want you to have the best and to feel good. So where did that come from in you the value around quality food and real ingredients
1: so i think i had previously mentioned you know my son having health problems Um, when he was born he had a heart defect and talking to the doctors it was very significant that we look at his diet and things he was eating and I guess I'll never forget one of the first things that struck me as really odd is I was looking at Lucky Charms one day and noticed TSP. And if you guys are unfamiliar, that's trisodium phosphate. And we use that in construction to take paint off of concrete. So if that's such a strong chemical that has a corrosive warning label on it, why is that in my children's cereal? Why is that something that we're using to make products more shelf stable so they can capitalize on the financial gains of these products if they know they're gonna hurt us, if they know they're not healthy for us? And so as we looked into more labels to see other things like TBHQ in top ramen, it stops the digestion in the GI tract and causes problems like infertility and blood pressure raises and so while i think we've all had a cup of top ramen in our lifetime is that something that maybe we should be eating in large capacities just because it's cheap and shelf stable again the commercial industry has really let us down for all the bs that they're putting in our food so to take our pizza dough program and work it where we have five or six ingredients that are all natural and things you can pronounce and things you can say versus sometimes looking at the back of a label and seeing a whole list of things that you're not even sure what it is, there's definitely a deeper level of comfort in that knowing flour, salt, sugar, spinach, yeast. Nothing on that list is very scary considering trisodium phosphate and things that have to be abbreviated because their chemical name is too long to put on a label.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. There's one aspect of being a culinarian here that I'm curious about, and that is, as a chef, does cooking from custom recipes and with ingredients that we're sourcing locally and just being really um, really passionate and really prioritizing that we need to be cooking from scratch as a chef. Is that really difficult? Is that a really big ask and something that chefs in general have to get used to, or is it something that chefs expect and are just frequently let down about, um, like if they show up and all of a sudden they're in back of house and they're like, wait a minute, these are where we're like, using bagged everything frozen items versus fresh ingredients this isn't what i'm passionate about how common is that in the culinary industry would you say
1: you know i have to be a little disheartened and say that i think a lot of the culinary industry again was led with processed manufactured foods and so because they could bring them in and put them on their shelves or put them in their freezers and give them more shelf life they're looking at a lower P because they're not losing as much food. It's able to stay better for longer. And so I think that that was just a commonality of how the market was built and the way it went. But then we had to start looking at it. I think even more in recent years and start asking more questions and not just looking at the label and saying, this is what's in there, but why is it in there? Why, Why can't we make something more natural to withhold all these chemicals and preservatives that we know cause health problems and birth defects and various other ailments that can be prevented simply by your diet?
0: It's definitely been a bit of a returning and a big shift, I think, Um, and to get to have conversations with people like yourself who have had to go through that process of well it's it's very health adjacent health dependent for us to make sure that we as a family are eating well and this is so important and we don't want to be a part of um causing harm through food basically we want to Certainly. be able to help people feel confident when you go to your on-site cafe in this instance where of course I want to eat at my on-site cafe because I trust the food there more than I trust going to a fast food place. Also, because we are a company that specializes in food service management and especially in getting the best ingredients, you're looking at products that will cost you maybe twice as much down the road, like down the street. If you were to Try and order one of our handcrafted house burgers. It's going to be more affordable than if you go out to eat at at a big chain restaurant because we've skinned we've slimmed down a lot of that um, middleman type um, procurement process. So by working with things that are grown from the earth, whole muscle meats, we're not, like you said, to the point of the hamburger patties, those are hand-formed. They're not this subpar product. These are just as good, probably better, because chefs who know how to make things taste amazing, they're giving you something fresh and not processed and frozen and just made convenient. It's not about our convenience as culinarians. It's about can we do better? Yes, then we should, because it's the right thing to do around food.
1: Well, and one thing I want to touch base on is even looking at healthy options and making them healthier. So one of the most popular things that people eat when they're trying to be health healthy are, you know, maybe sides of vegetables or salads. And if we're pulling salad dressing out of a jug that's shelf stable and loaded with preservatives and chemicals how is that the actual benefit of what you're trying to accomplish? So maybe you've saved some calories, but you've loaded up on all these unnecessary things that you don't actually want in your diet. And so as simple as making a house vinaigrette really helps with that situation to alleviate a lot of those things, to bring healthy options back to a healthy level.
0: If we've ever read the labels of dressings that you do get from a bottle that are shelf stable, um, that the overwhelming amounts of sugars and chemicals to keep those shelf stable. I, if you've never read a a dressing label, I encourage you to. You'd be surprised at how much is added to get that stability and. Um, on something that it's it's not it's not necessary, and we prove that daily. and I, I really respect that about our teams. So, as we look to the future, you are in this position to keep creating recipes, to keep training people. In this next year, Um, What are your strengths that you're looking to expand on? What are some things that are on your mind and on your heart to get better at as a chef or a manager or just a teammate?
1: You know, on a simple teammate level, I think it's just working with the individuals on site to make sure that they're having a good experience because it's really easy to get lost in The day-to-day drama of what's not going right and how stressful everything is and you know on a management level it can be very similar that we need to be great team members to these ftes so they understand that we're not sitting on a pedestal trying to you know uh drive the boat that way instead of you know being with them to help paddle or row the boat and working side by side with them to make them understand how important the work they're doing actually is, and why it makes a difference in these people's lives. And if we change a thousand lives a day, you know, what does that look like in a year? And what does that look like, you know, even on the larger scale of all these people who then have better, healthier lives and can go tend their kids or do something more active outside, maybe hiking or bicycling? something that maybe they previously wouldn't have had the energy or capacity to do, but now to have a cleaner diet and to have cleaner options, you know, maybe it's actually changed their energy levels and that makes a big difference. And so I think moving forward, one of my biggest hopes is that we can take this and expand it on a bigger scale to multiple levels of our concepts and outside of our cafe, um, You know, it'd be really nice for me personally to be able to take this to our other BioFire locations. Because right now it's kind of been stuck under our roof here at 1201. And to take that capacity to our other cafes and build the success there. But also within the other cafes within our market, and I'm not saying that they don't do a good job. I just mean, what else can we do to make it better? What can we do to change the future to get out of this mindset like, getting out of the box, right?
0: As a manager and mentor and chef, what are you looking forward to this year? So that was more from the team member standpoint. So as a as a manager, where would you like to work on?
1: I think that we really need to be able to uh, isolate some of these concepts and ideas and see the scalability and the profitability behind them.
0: Have you been able to measure any changes in profitability or usage of the pizza station um, by switching your doughs? Have you seen any differences there?
1: Uh, We've seen quite a bit of sales growth based on the offerings because it gets people excited and so maybe people that previously didn't eat pizzas are more inclined to come to the station because they see some of the new fresher options. But the fact that we've been doing house pizza dough for a number of years now, we haven't seen a giant trend in like the P&L reports.
0: Okay. So I'm also interested in just a little bit of a self-assessment. What do you think your... Personal strengths are that you bring to work?
1: Uh, Personal strengths are probably, you know, keeping calm in the storm. It's really easy to get worked up and frustrated. Maybe if a vendor doesn't deliver something that you already have on the menu or when team members call out, it's really easy because we have so much on our plates at all times that it can get very overwhelming. And trying to take a very calm, idealistic approach to how do we get through this and isolate the priorities and what's most important now and what can be put on the back burner for later. So moving with that is it's very important to teach the other team members that so they don't feel so stressed and anxious because everyone's been in a stressful situation. Maybe where you have a big report due tomorrow or you know, a special client's coming in tomorrow and maybe the anxieties that come with that. And it's really tough sometimes to shake that loose and look at it as a positive opportunity and not a hindrance and not look at it as a stressful situation, but as a growth opportunity and what that means for the future.
0: I appreciate that input. Um, Yeah, calm in the storm is definitely, it's a virtue. Because I feel like when you master one situation, you're always going to have, you know, a variance or another opportunity for something else. And then you build upon those skills. And I feel like the more we get faced with that and kind of walk ourselves through, take that step back, the more recognizable um, the situation becomes that maybe we don't have to get so upset or so swept up in what's actually happening and, and we can really get through pretty much anything. You're not alone in this company. That's one thing that is is a help is that uh, we don't want to just throw someone out in the deep end and expect them to figure it all out on their own. So that's one positive for sure that uh, people can look forward to. Is there anything else that you would like to share with me about being a culinarian or just where you're at that you feel like we didn't cover, or that you want to expand on?
1: Um, I just have to say first, thank you for this great opportunity to spend some time with you today and talk about all these things. You know, it's really great to be able to share these things and hopefully inspire someone. Because again, I think that for too long, we've been kind of trapped in the box of this is what we have to do. And Again, I think I've said this several times, but how can we change it to make a brighter future? And what does that look like? And I think that that level of excitement is what's really important in the cafes and to the teams. So they're not dreading the next step, but they're looking forward to it. And it becomes excitement instead of anxiety.
0: There can be one little downside to having... um expectations around what we're doing and how we're doing it is that sometimes we get really stressed out about only meeting those expectations that are that are there. Like this is these are the recipes. This is the database. This is uh, the confines in which we work um, as far as our standards and what we're trying to do, you know, to deliver on our multiple service times every day. And so to be able to say yes, and as a culinarian, I think that is really demonstrating going above and beyond. And I really respect that. And I look forward to seeing um, more from you guys, of course, and you let us know how we can help in any way. I'm so, so thrilled that you're on our team and that you've gotten to rise up and be with us full time as a manager, Vance.
1: Thank you so much, Ollie.